Today's scripture comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 22, to chapter 2, verse 4. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bushels, daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. This is the word of the Lord. As uh, you probably know by now, today's Mother's Day. And if you didn't know, you're welcome. You can text your mom right now if you forgot. Happy Mother's Day. It's not too late. But uh, to all of our moms here, happy Mother's Day. Well-deserved. Uh, let's give them a hand. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a big day. And, um, you know, different people have different takes on, on mothers, uh, depending, I guess, on their experiences and relationships with their moms. Um, let me start off with a few, uh, some, some funny quotes and some profound quotes from different people, some famous, same, some, some not. Um, here's the first one. The phrase, working mom, is redundant. Yeah, I, I would probably have to agree with that. The phrase, working mom, is completely redundant. Uh, here's another one. Mom, the person most likely to write an autobiography and never mention herself. Right? Um, here's another one. Moms, even when they leave the kids at home, they still take them along with them. Right, you probably have uh, experienced that maybe with, with um, I don't know your your siblings or whatever. You're not anywhere near your mom. Maybe you're away at college, and uh, you know your mom calls you every every three days or something, and and um, they're asking you know how did you eat and you know how's the weather, and they're asking about every little detail because even though you're not at home, uh, you are still with them. Here's a, a couple more. Um, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. No man is poor who has a godly mother. Wow. So I wonder who said that. That was actually Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln apparently understood the value of a godly mother. Here's another one. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education that I received from her. So, uh, you know, I attribute my success in life. What kind of success did this person have? Well, this person was George Washington, first president of the United States of America. So I would say he had a little bit of success, wouldn't you? And he attributes that success to his mother. And uh, I'll finish this with this one. If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? <laughs> if, if evolution really works, why do moms only have two hands? I mean, right? Natural selection. They, you should have, we, have, we should have moms who have like 
three, four, five hands because they have so many things to do and we demand so much of them. Mother's Day can bring a wide variety of reactions and emotions for people, depending on their situations. Um, for some, for some of us, uh, you know, you might still have your mother around and, and you're very grateful for that, and as well you should be. For others, you still have your mother too, but maybe she lives, you know, like I said before, in a faraway city. And you wouldn't say this out loud, but secretly you're grateful for that too, right? She's far away. She's out of my hair. She's not going to bother me. Or for some, their moms have passed on from this world. And Mother's Day is a day when, you know, maybe if, if you're in that boat, you remember your mom today with both happiness and sadness, naturally. Right? So whoever you are, whatever your relationship with your mom is or was or you hope it to be, um, I want to assure you today, even if you're not a mom, right, I have some very good news for you that I want to give to you. And this story um, that I want to share with you involves a mother, yes, but at the end of the day, it's more a story about uh, human beings just dealing with universal things like dreams and ambitions and love and fear of loss and trust. So uh, no matter what your own story is uh, or what stage of life you find yourself in today, um, I am honored to bring to you some good news through this story that comes from God's Word. So today's story comes from uh, the book of Exodus. And um, let me set the scene for you, because it would take too long to, to like actually read uh, the part before it. We're going to read the actual story, but let me set the scene. The time uh, is about 1,500 years before Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, okay? And there was a Hebrew man named Jacob. He had 12 sons. And later, this man's name was changed to Israel. You might recognize that name. Through the events of another really amazing story that we're not going to talk about today, but you can read um, on your own time, uh, one of Jacob's sons, Joseph, becomes a great and indispensable servant to the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh, so much so that uh, the Pharaoh makes him second in command over all of Egypt. And that's a big deal because at the time, Egypt was basically like a superpower um, in that time of history. And all... Um, you know, as a result of this um, privilege and position that he was able to achieve, Joseph was then able to bring his father and his brothers and all of their families uh, to live with him in, you know, the prosperous land of Egypt. And so uh, they multiplied, grew great in number, they prospered even more. Eventually, of course, that old Pharaoh, uh, the one who benefited from Joseph's service, he died. Okay, And a new pharaoh who did not know Joseph rose to power. Uh-oh. And this new pharaoh began to fear and resent all these foreign descendants of Jacob because they were so prosperous and numerous. And so he began to oppress them and eventually made them work as slaves. And yet they still <laughs> prospered and multiplied greatly despite that. And so Pharaoh, 
came up with yet another desperate plan. And this is where our story picks up today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Exodus one twenty-two. So then Pharaoh commanded all his people. This is his great plan. Every son that is born to the Hebrews, to the descendants of, of Jacob, you shall cast them into the Nile River so that they'll die, right? But you shall let every daughter live. Now, a man from the house of Levi went, and the house of Levi is the tribe that um, it, it, it becomes, it, it is, a, you know, the, um, the tribe from which all the priests come from. So uh, it's, it's, it's a special um, ordination that's going to happen later on. And this man from the house of Levi went and he took as his wife a woman from the Levite tribe. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds, and the sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. And now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young you know, servant woman walked beside the river. And she saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened the basket, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister, um, this is Miriam, um, Later on, we'll find out that her name is Miriam. His sister, uh, the baby sister, said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse this child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Of course, if you haven't got it by now, this is, you know, the mom whose baby she is now um, has been returned to her, and she's actually getting to nurse her. Uh, when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and then he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Hmm. I want to focus on a couple things here um, in this story. There's so many, but just time for two things. One, verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. When she could hide him no longer. The woman had conceived, right? She got married, conceived, had a baby. But the problem is she had a baby in the midst of this uh, royal decree that all babies of Hebrew descent, all sons, would be thrown into the Nile, you know, to be food for the crocodiles and the piranhas and to drown, um, one to kill them. And so, obviously, this is very, very difficult. This puts the Hebrew people in a very, very bad and anguishing um, situation. And so, what did this woman do? Later on, we find out that her name is Jochebed. Jochebed. And... Uh, the father was Amram. So Jochebed, she decides she's going to hide this newborn infant for three months. And if you know anything about newborns 
and, you know, at about three months, they just they get louder and, and cry more, and eventually you cannot hide them any longer. And so that's what verse 3 is talking about. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch, which is like tar, so that it becomes uh, waterproof and, and buoyant. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. Jochebed, who dearly loves her infant, is faced with this incredible dilemma. That which she loves, her newborn infant, uh, whom we know as Moses, is going to be killed. As parents, myself a parent, I can't even imagine what this would feel like. Try to put yourself in her shoes. This would have been a fatal punch to the gut. It would feel like the end of the world. Now, you know, really, until you become a parent, you, and even moms, I think, they have a different experiences than, than dads do. Um, so we can't really truly relate as, you know, Jochebed as a mother, unless you are a mom. But here's something to help us see that perhaps, regardless, again, of whatever life stage that you're in, married or not married, parent or not parent, you're not too different from her. Um, you see, how a child grows up and turns out has a huge impact on how the mother views herself, right? You see your child as a parent and how they grow up, it has a huge impact on how you view yourself. Why? Ultimately, what's going on in the situation with mothers is that the mother often attributes her very worth and value and identity as a human being to her labor and performance as a child rear, because that's the product of her labor. Um, and fathers, of course, do the same. Throughout a, 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 a woman's younger years, you know, before she becomes a mother, she has probably taken things from here and there, books and experiences with other families, and she's seen things about other families, and all the while before she's had a child, she's actually cobbling together some kind of ideal picture, right, of what her children are going to grow up to be like and look like and behave like. And she, therefore, as she has this ideal in her mind that she's been dreaming about for years, when she finally has a baby, she's going to do everything she can to get the outcome that she desires. Right? But if we're being honest, this belief, you know, that our worth comes from our performance and outcomes and our accolades and our possessions, that's a pattern that all human beings experience. So you don't actually need to be a mother to be able to understand to some extent what Jochebed was experiencing as she was faced with the possibility, right, that something she treasured, something she valued so dearly was going to be ripped away from her. I think we can all empathize with that. You see, Jochebed had her little Moses, her little Mo, right? But 
Don't you and I have our own versions of Moses, our own little versions of our little treasured infant, even if we're not parents? We all have our little Moses that we can't bear to be without. So we do everything within our power to protect it and control it and mold it. So maybe, you know, it's not a baby for you. Maybe it's uh, that promotion or that job that you believe that you deserve, or maybe it's that career trajectory, right, that we all work so hard to stay on and we, we visualize and imagine this is what my life is going to be like and my career is going to be like in five years. I have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 15-year plan. This is what we hold dear. Or maybe it's that forever house that uh, we all think we deserve because we work so hard for it. Or maybe it's the fulfilling boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, right, that um, we all crave for. It's, it's going to solve everything, and it's going to finally bring us the happiness that our heart longs for. And uh, eventually, you know, that boyfriend-girlfriend relationship is going to turn into the wedding day, and the wedding day is going to be perfect. It's going to be the most beautiful wedding day of all time. And then after that, we're going to have the perfect marriage and the perfect kids, the perfect family life. All of that, right, is that, that's all going to fill our hearts, fill our lives. We all have our little Moses, our little infant. And whatever it is that you, know, that you treasure, whatever it is that you hold on to, that has a huge impact then on how we view ourselves, right? Whatever we hold on to, whatever we treasure, that influences how we view ourselves, and then by extension, right, that influences how we view other people and how we view the world and eventually how we view God himself. In essence, that little infant that we all treasure, and it's not always a bad thing. It can be a good thing. I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong. Jobs and homes and marriages, those are all gifts of God's grace. But those little infants that we treasure can gradually become the God of our lives, right? And that's why then um, our moods and our levels of happiness, they swing, right, together with whatever that thing is. That's how you know when that little infant, <laughs> that little Moses in your life has become your God when however that thing is going controls your mood, controls your definition of happiness and your level of happiness. It controls and determines whether when someone says, how are you, you say, good or bad. Right? The thing that we started out wanting to control and mold and master has actually now mastered you. And that is the dirty little secret of getting these things that we all want. The dirty little secret of pursuing these things, these dreams and ambitions and hopes that we all have. We're told in movies and in, in media that chase your dreams. You can, you can do it. Don't give up. But nobody ever tells you that those dreams... <laughs> can then master you and control you and in the end disappoint you and crush you.
one of the many hosts of, of, of fundamental problems with making any of these things the master of our lives is that those things cannot, are not capable of filling up the infinite longing that comes with the heart that every human being is born with. So, let's ask ourselves then. Like Jochebed did here, where she has this thing that she treasures. For her, it's literally Moses. And she, like it says there in verse 3, realizes she has come to her in limitations and she could hide him no longer. She acknowledges her limitations as a mom. That's very painful to do. That's a moment of true honesty and also true desperation. Right? She's admitting that she can't do anymore for this thing that she treasures. I don't know if you've ever gotten to that point in your life where you realize you have this thing, this dream that you're living for, this hope, and no matter how hard you try, you get to this point where you can't quite realize it. You've reached the limits of your capabilities. I wonder if, like Jokbid, are we capable of acknowledging our own limitations? Are we capable of acknowledging the limits of our own power and abilities? All these things that we pursue can be very good, but ultimately they're powerless and they're temporary and they can be taken away like Moses was and they are not sufficiently powerful to fulfill the vast need of your heart. We all have dreams, we all have hopes, and with those dreams, we all have some desire to control the outcome of our lives so that we can attain those dreams and thus fulfill the longings we all have. But like Jochebed did here in verse 3, it's, it's, it's essential, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, in your core, we have to acknowledge the fact that we are limited, that left to ourselves, we're human beings with finite human limits and resources. And when Jochebed was faced with this, this fact, she acknowledged that she needed more than herself. She acknowledged that she needed something outside of herself. And thus, rather than responding to the situation by mustering up more self-power, she responded to the situation with faith. Faith in Yahweh. I think all of us, <laughs> hopefully we can get to the point where we're not in denial and we can understand that when we come up against a wall in our lives, there's a limit. And the right answer, the first answer should not be as the world tells us it is, right? Re pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Just Keep on going. More willpower is what you need. Try harder. That's what the world tells us to do. And I think that's a very popular message because it appeals to our pride, right? It appeals to your own self-sufficiency. Jochebed, rather than responding to this crisis by mustering up more self-power, 
she responds to this crisis with faith in Yahweh. And we need to learn that. We're limited in how, we, how much we can protect our children. But what you can do is you can continually prepare your children to trust Christ. And how can you do that most effectively? By first trusting Christ yourself. And that's the best thing that you can do for your child. Trust Christ yourself. Amen? So, the first part of today's stories can be summed up with this. It's okay to acknowledge our limits. There's no shame, guys. It's all right. We all have limits. It's not news. So acknowledge it. Be honest. In fact, it's wise. It's actually you being wise when you acknowledge your limits. And then when you do, just like Jochebed did when she acknowledged that, she then released that basket that held her most treasured thing. So acknowledge your limits, and then you, like Jochebed, release that basket that holds whatever it is that is most dear to you. Maybe it is your baby, or maybe it's your baby metaphorically. Release that basket. Now, here's the second part. Okay, just release it? Like, that's, what, what do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you. Again, in the story, what does God word, God's word show us here? We're not just, when we release the basket that holds and contains our dreams and our, our deepest longings and that which we treasure, God is not saying just release it to the cosmos, just Leave it to chance. He's not saying just hope for the best. No, God is saying release the basket of your life and put it into my hands. I wonder, think about that thing which you treasure most in your life. Let's say it's not God. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Sometimes it's not God, right? I know that's the truth for me. Am I able to release that and hand it over to the hands of Yahweh, like Jochebed did? Can you do that? So here in the story, verses 8, 9, and 10, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, after Jochebed releases the basket, having faith in Yahweh, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. She named him Moses and, uh, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Um, Jacob had had faith. <laughs> That's why she was able to release that basket. Now, where is the faith uh, in the story? Well, we see it in the actions, but we also see it in another, another part of God's Word. We have the, uh, the verse. It comes from Hebrews chapter 11. There we go. And if you have your Bibles, you can uh, also, you know, if you choose to, you read along there. And here's what Hebrews 11, verse 23 and on says. By faith, 
Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were not afraid of what the world's authorities and powers were telling them because the ultimate power and authority had told them, you're going to be okay, trust me. So they trusted their most treasured thing to him. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the, the reproach or the suffering of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Jochebed had faith in Yahweh. Jochebed knew what a faithful and gracious God Yahweh is. And so it was because of this God that she was able to release the basket containing that which she treasured. And not to chance, but in faith. Not to randomness, but to God. Just like Abraham, you know, that's another story. Surrendered his son to God. So Jochebed trusted her son to Yahweh. As a result, let's look at what happened. Let's just kind of go through the list of what happened as a result of her releasing her most treasured thing to Yahweh. One, the baby was saved. Her most treasured thing was saved. That's what she wanted. But it's almost like those infomercials, you know, like, but don't stop now. If you order now, we'll give you this. God is so gracious. It's, I'm being facetious, but it's in the story. It's kind of ridiculous. So the baby was saved, which would have been good enough, right, for any of us. But no, number two, not only was the baby saved, but the baby was given back to the mother. <laughs> Jochebed got her baby back, right? And not only that, she, she's told that if you nurse this baby, which happens to be your own baby, I'm going to give you wages. Moms, if someone told you <laughs> when they put your newborn on your chest and they said, it's time for you to nurse your baby now, and we're going to pay you to nurse your baby. I mean, wouldn't that make things so much better, right? <laughs> All of those sleepless nights. Uh, I know some people are listening who, who just you know, have had newborn babies. Um, they're probably laughing right now. Wow. Jochebed was getting paid by the, the royal princess to nurse her own daughter, I mean her own son, right? Ridiculous. Not only that, it doesn't end there. Jochebed's son is taken as a son into the Pharaoh's palace. So there, right, he received, get this, the greatest scholarship and future that at the time any mom could hope for, right? The greatest scholarship and future that, at the time, any Jewish mom could hope for. That's crazy. Now, I don't know. I, some of you might be thinking, okay, so I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to put my kids in a basket. I'm going to throw them in the swimming pool. And, um, and then all this stuff is going to happen. They're going to get into Harvard or Yale or whatever, Princeton, and they're going to um, get this amazing job. That's not 
what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Uh, don't do that. Um, that'd be really weird, and you might be reported to the police. Um, when you read the entirety of the Bible, nowhere does God say that if you trust and follow Him, that your present life will be free of suffering. He never, ever, ever says that. And don't let any other preacher mislead you and put words in God's mouth to that effect. No. In fact, God says in His Word that you will suffer persecution. You will suffer. In fact, Jesus Christ Himself didn't he follow the Father perfectly? And wasn't he without sin? And yet he suffered a great deal. Okay? So that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, and it's not even really what I'm saying. It's, it's what God is saying. Yahweh, God himself, is offering you, he's offering to you right now, the greatest treasure in the universe. He's offering you his personal fellowship. He's offering you his covenant seal that can't be broken by death. He's offering you his very self to you. And Jochebed, remember, she's the daughter of the, the Levite you know, tribe. She would understand all of this about Yahweh. And this is how she, when faced with an agonizing crisis, how she didn't run to herself she didn't run to worldly wisdom. No, she ran to the strong tower that is God, Yahweh, trustworthy. This brings us to the good news. Moses, as we just kind of cataloged here, he went on from that basket in the reeds, you know, in the Nile River, to then live a life that would later, as an adult, he would contribute to the very salvific history, the very salvation of all of mankind. And in that verse, that Hebrews verse uh, 1126, can you put it up there again, please? He considered, this is Moses, he considered the suffering, the reproach uh, of Christ or the suffering because of Christ, greater wealth, than the treasures of Egypt. And hey, it's not like he was, you know, just theoretically thinking, yeah, it'd be nice to have the treasures of, of Egypt. No, he actually, this is a guy who actually experienced the treasures of Egypt. He experienced that. And having experienced that, he still, when comparing that with the reward of God, he said, this treasure of Egypt, the treasure that the world offers, I turn away from it. I don't treasure that. I treasure the reward. And you know what the reward is? The reward is Jesus Christ. The reward is the deliverer. They didn't know that it was going to be Jesus Christ, but they knew that there was a deliverer to come, prophesied over and over throughout history that Yahweh, God the Father, spoke again and again through the Holy Spirit that His Son would come. That was the reward that Moses, when weighing that, with all the treasures of, that he had actually tasted, he said, that's good, but Christ is better. Can you release your basket, your little Moses, your little infant? Can you acknowledge your own limitations? And can you trust that Yahweh 
has something so much greater for you, something that can fulfill those infinite longings of your heart in a way that those other worldly things cannot. And you know, again, what is that thing? It's himself. He's offering himself to you. So moms, everyone else, uh, Yahweh is asking you, (laughs) be wise. Acknowledge your limits. There's no shame in that. Acknowledge your insufficiencies and your deficiencies. And take that basket that holds your treasures. And, And I'm not asking you to just throw it into the river haphazardly with no foresight. No, I'm asking you to place it into the secure and nail-scarred hands of my son, Jesus Christ. Can you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? That's what God is saying. I give you everything. Let me end with this. Um, This whole story and just Jochebed herself and her, her faith that she demonstrated struck me in such a way that I thought it'd be kind of fun if I wrote a poem based on Jochebed's kind of perspective. So, so I'm going to read for you a poem that I wrote. Um, it, it's a poem that I wrote from the perspective of, of Jochebed, from her point of view. And uh, I titled it, Jochebed's Song. Unto me a child is born, a son beautiful and fine. But shall this child be stolen? Ripped from this bosom of mine? No, a child's home is with his mother. Of the options I care not, there is no other. Against the serpent of Egypt I will stand. Nothing shall take my child from this mother's hand. So I I hide this treasure in secret. (coughs) And for three months I float with joy. But... Those three months are also mixed with fear. How long can I keep my boy? With each passing day, my boy grows stronger. His cries grow louder. With each passing day, my heart grows weaker. My moans fall deeper. How long can I keep my boy? If I keep this child, he will die. But if I lose this child, I will die. Please, someone, may I keep my boy. Now the soldiers come, I have no choice. Oh, Yahweh Almighty, will you hear my voice? Oh, Yahweh, God of Jacob, I have no recourse but to surrender this boy to thee. I have come to the end of my resource, and so I desperately turn from me. From my hand to yours, O Yahweh, do I give my son. Generations later, you will do the same for me through Jesus, the prophesied one. I trust my child to you, Yahweh, because you keep your covenants and you always do. Preserve him, save him. May he never leave your view. Wait, what's this I hear? My son has been saved and into the king's court his path will be paved? Is this my son brought back to me? The son that I relinquished my God to thee? 
You are the God who's heard all my prayers. You are the God who's covered all of my failures. Unto you, I released the basket with my son in tow. And I saw that you, Yahweh, were always the greatest gift that I could ever give to little Mo. I want to invite you to sing Jochebed's song with her. Sing it not with your voice, but sing it with your heart. Sing it with your life. Sing it with your treasures that you hold dear. Trust Him. Believe in Christ. Yahweh, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, no matter who you are or where you come from, Yahweh gave you His Son. How will He not also graciously give you all things that you need? He is good. Trust Him. Trust His Son. Believe in Him. Receive Him.